Hello, everyone. Welcome to Shock It Presents Movie Night. I am your host. My name is Rudy Obias, and joining me is a blogger for ScreenRant.com, Justin Vactor. Thank you so much for, for joining me here on this episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. Rudy, one of my favorite people in all the internet. And uh, right back at you. Yeah. It's, it's been a while since we actually talked, and I, I just really love listening to your voice. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, it, uh, oh, go ahead. No. I was going to say, you, you must be listening to someone else. It, it can't be mine. <laughs> uh, so, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about two movies. Uh, one movie uh, that that's coming out this Friday, uh, this new Oliver Stone film, Savages, and the other movie came out a couple days ago on Jan- July 3rd, and that's the the reboot to the Spider-Man franchise. Uh, this movie is The Amazing Spider-Man, directed by Mark Webb. But first, we're going to uh, talk about Oliver Stone's new film, Savages. This is a plot synopsis from imdb.com. Pot growers Ben and Sean face off a Mexican drug cartel who kidnap their shared girlfriend. Uh, her name was O, and she was played by Blake Lively. And <laughs> this is Oliver Stone's first film since uh, his 2010 film, the sequel to Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. And some would say this is somewhat a return to form from this great filmmaker who really hasn't been, who hasn't really made a great film. Um, arguably since his 1999 film, Any Given Sunday. So uh, let me ask you, Justin Vactor, what are your thoughts on Savages? Is this movie worth seeing this weekend? Well, unfortunately, I I paid $5 to see this movie, and I want my $5 back. Oh. I did not think that this was a worthy uh, t- time, uh, wor- worthy way to spend your time at the movies this weekend. I will say I'm much more excited about Katy Perry at the movie theater <laughs> this weekend, Rudy. Uh, there are there are better ways to spend a, a hot day than not in a movie watching The Savages in a nice air-conditioned theater. I, I, I'm kind of mixed on this movie. I, I can understand the sentiment that this is not a very good movie, but I, I, I kind of like the the goofiness of the hmm. movie how big and over the top the performances of uh, billy so del toro and um and selma hayek um i will agree i i i i don't know how you feel about this but i am not a, a fan of taylor kitsch in this movie who plays sean and i'm not a fan of of O, which is short for ophelia played by blake lively i actually think the her last name is somewhat of a misnomer there's there's nothing lively about this this actress at all ah. um in anything i've seen her in yeah you know what i was thinking about that because she narrates the movie she opens the movie and the entire time i was just thinking there's too much weight placed upon these lively shoulders she just can't handle that burden and She's not a good enough actress. She's not a very good narrator. Like there's no. nothing about her performance. Like you said, I've never actually the only thing I've I semi enjoyed her in was the town. Everything else yeah. I've ever seen her in, she's just disappointed me. And and this one was no exception. I felt every time she came on the screen or I heard her voice, I just was like, ah, oh, get me out of here. Well, with the town, and I really liked her in the town. Yeah. Which was kind of like uh, I thought that was an honest to god good performance. Like she sh- she could have easily been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in that movie. Mm. Um, she was playing a character that was vastly different from what we would think that what we would think of the of the actress Blake Lively or even her personality. Yeah, um, which really helped. 
Uh, and also the direction from Ben Affleck, I'm sure, really helped her out with that. But I, I, I agree. I, I didn't like her in this movie. I mean, she's very attractive to look at, but that could only take you so far in a movie. Taylor yeah. Kitsch is very attractive to look at as well, but that could only take you so far. There's in a movie. tons of attractive people in this movie. It, even Selma Hayek, I, she's getting up there in age, but I, I still find her attractive. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed to admit I feel Aaron Johnson is an attractive man, Rudy. I've, I've been trying to yes. tell as many women as I can, <laughs> but I've been getting, uh, I've been getting dirty looks every time I because I, I have this argument with his movie that uh, the let's see the Matthew Vaughn directed movie that he was kind of rose to fame in, where his character in that in the which was based on a comic book, his character in that was a nerd and he was very kind of um, socially awkward. And they drew him that way in the comic book. I felt like with casting Aaron Johnson in the movie, the only thing that they did was put glasses on him. But I still felt he was an attractive guy. I, th I thought he would have been a popular kid in high school. It was just the Hollywood version of a nerd is, oh, just put glasses on him. Well, I, I think a, a big difference there. I mean, I, I, I will say the, the, between the three of these the leads, I, did, I liked uh, Aaron Johnson quite a bit. I actually think he's a good actor. I think he makes some terrific choices in his career. If you look at uh, what was the 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 Lennon pick that he was just in? Oh, um, Nowhere Boy. Yeah, I, I liked him in that. Like I've liked him in every performance I've seen him in. I, I think he's a pretty interesting guy if you look at his personal life as well. But yeah, I I enjoyed his performance in this too. Yeah, and if you consider like what you were talking about with uh, Matthew Vaughn's Kick Ass, uh, that he he is cast as a nerd and he plays that nerd pretty well. I mean, I think he's a pretty good nerd in that movie. Mm -hmm. Even though he is very attractive and very chiseled, and you know, perhaps he he could have easily been one of the popular kids, but I think he plays the nerd, a believable nerd in that movie, very well. Yeah, and like um, you said, that's just a testament to his performance as an actor. I feel because it's um, definitely in the looks department. I felt like he he didn't look like a nerd, kind of like Andrew Garfield in Spider Man, Peter Parker. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, and I I liked him in this in this role, even though his um. His American accent was a bit questionable from time to time, but uh, mm. overall, I did like it. Uh, him in this movie, uh, I, I, I like the manicness of this movie. I mean, it felt more to me like a Tony Scott film, yeah. like a Domino yeah. or something, more yeah. so than uh, Oliver Stone film. But I, I, I was while watching this movie, there was a part of me that just thought, like, all of this feels somewhat minor. Like all mm -hmm. the things that they're going through, the stuff with the drug cartel and the kidnapping and the, you know, the the the, the violence well, in this movie. Even the drug itself. Like I felt like, you know, you, you see crime movies and it's, you know, it's cocaine, it's heroin, whatever. This movie, it's marijuana. And yeah. I'm like, that's kind of like the the lowest drug to me, the least harmful drug that you, I mean, it, you know, there's there's medical uses for it and there's a debate on whether how harmful it is, period. Uh, but even that felt minor and, to me in, and, in this. Like, oh, they're they're selling pot. And that that was actually the point of the movie. That I, um, why I like the movie. I, I like the fact. I think this movie, thinking about it, is a movie that is pro legalizing marijuana because it shows how how ridiculous it is to have this drug be illegal in this country uh, all the stuff this drug cartel goes through all the murder and mayhem <laughs> on both sides the DEA and and the, the drug cartel all of this needless murder and killing over what over what and yeah. it, it just I, I ultimately that's what my big takeaway from this movie was that I feel that this is Oliver Stone's attempt to, to show America this is a foolish. Uh, this drug should be legalized. This is a, a fool. This is a fool's errand to have this much 
be put onto um, marijuana. And in that way, that's why I like Savages is because I really do <laughs> the feel... The message behind it. Yeah, I really do feel this is what Oliver Stone was trying to get at with the film, um, which is why I'm a little bit more positive. I mean, it's a manic film. It's somewhat incoherent, but I think that just goes al- along with... I think how much fun and exciting Oliver Stone wants to make this movie and the performances. I mean, the performances are really over the top and scenery chewing. And I think it's all on purpose. I think it's supposed to be, um, it's supposed to be like this. And I think overall it's, it's a, it's a movie to show why marijuana should be legalized because otherwise we'll we'll go through like something like this and it just seems needless because in other movies, you're right, Justin, it would be cocaine. It would be meth. And that it would be heroin. And it does seem like those are, I guess, noble enough drugs to stay illegal for people to be to be shot and murdered and um, and tortured. But here, since it's marijuana, the stakes are somewhat lower and it just seems ridiculous that yeah. um, that we're that the, the U.S. government is going through these uh, these these hoops just to yeah. keep this drug out of the country. Um and for that, I applaud the movie. I, I, I'm not sure if it's if if people are actually going to get that, but I think that's what Oliver Stone is intending with this movie. Yeah, and I was it was interesting. I, uh, John Travolta's character, which I, I like, John Travolta's performance in this as well. And the first time I've seen him without his hair pu- plugs and actually showing that he's going bald, but he's he had a line in the movie where it was like, "Guys, this is just going to be legal in a couple of years anyway. Just you might as well get out now, get your you know get your money while you can because we're it's going to be legal in a few years." So yeah, I, I feel like there there probably was some type of uh, underlying message that Stone wanted to uh, get across, along with the the author of the book that it's based on, probably. Yeah, and I I mean I, I will concede. And, uh, I guess let's talk about the ending of this movie. Uh, th- this movie kind of oh ends your favorite it, part of the movie. Rudy. Uh, oh yeah, I, I I I hate the way this movie ends. It's <laughs> it's kind of a cheap way to end a movie, um, where there's a big showdown where uh, the 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 Taylor Kitsch and the the Aaron Johnson duo uh, kidnap Selma Hayek, the the rival Selma Hayek's uh, daughter, and then because Selma Hayek. Her drug cartel kidnaps Blake Lively's character, which uh, reasons I don't know why. <laughs> I kind of forget. <laughs> like another thing about this movie, it seems like there are so many schemes in this movie that we follow um, Taylor Kitsch and and Aaron Johnson's character schemes and um, Selma Hayek and Belisa Del Toro's schemes, and it seems like scheme upon scheme upon uh, double cross. And it's who who can keep up with this? You know, like there's not really a, a clear plot to follow in that way because it just seemed like scheme over scheme over scheme and who was uh, double crossing who uh, we, we finally get to a showdown where um, our three leads I guess uh, you know they're all they, they get shot in a, in, in a crossfire and they, they just come to the realization we just all die here together but then that's what you thought would happen and not what really happened and it go it rewinds back to the, the same point and it, it kind of ends with a happy ending with, it was with all a dream getting... rudy yeah i thought that was kind of cheap <laughs> yeah it was a very cheap way to, to end and end a movie especially if you end the movie right there with all, all of them dying that that's a good ending i feel um they, they go down in a hail of bullets and, and then you just rewind and everyone lives happily ever after yeah, but what I did you ready that? for that to be the ending and then you know when when blake lively like i said in that i thought the terrible narration came on and no, that's what you thought would happen, and and rewind like, but even that she, to me, she set that up even in the first line, which is in the trailer. I noticed because 
I normally don't watch trailers, but this one was one that I, I, I did not know a lot about going into it. So I actually watched the trailer. And in the trailer, like, just because I'm talking to you doesn't mean I'm alive at the end. Uh, like, that felt ridiculous to me and, like, cliche. And it, it, it wasn't surprising in any way. And then the ending felt like the, the, that, that first line of the movie just set that up. So I was like, ah, this is retarded. Yeah, that, that their narration at the beginning felt like the that Lindsay Lohan film from a Oh yeah, ago. I, I know who killed me. I believe yeah. the name was where she's narrating it, but she 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 knows who killed her. Uh, <laughs> like I, I laughed at that, like verb, like audibly laughed in the theater when, when that line. And that's like one of the first lines in the movie. Yeah. Um, and, and then when it gets quiet at, at that at, at the end of the movie, it gets really quiet, and then I unintentionally blurred out i guess pretty loudly i i said audibly terrible <laughs> and the people behind me were laughing um and i kind of, kind of felt bad that i ruined someone's experience of this movie by saying the word terrible while watching it but that, that was a pretty <laughs> cheap thing to do and I, I really wasn't on board with that and it, it's it's another reason why i i feel ultimately i feel so middle of the road with this movie because mm -hmm. it has these these flourishes of of, of just cinematic uh pop art i guess because it, it is so erratic it is just all in your face and it does seem somewhat incoherent um but it's just moments like that that it, it feels like if there was uh, a better actress behind um, Blake Lively or a better screenplay, um, those things wouldn't be so glaring and those things wouldn't just come off so comical. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, like you saying with the screenplay, I didn't find the, the main conflict very interesting. I didn't find it very novel. Um, the only thing that was keeping my interest were the performances and in particular Benicio Del Toro and, like I said, John Travolta. Those were the two for me. I wasn't too big on Selma Hayek's. Like I'm, I was reading some reviews and I was noticing a lot of people, oh, this is a great turn from Selma Hayek, one of the best performances I've ever seen. I'm like, I did not get that. Aww. Similar with the um, the Charlize Theron, um, Snow, the the Queen, the Evil Queen from earlier this year. I didn't get any menace from her. I didn't feel anything uh, from her performance. So I just it, it just left me cold in the theater. I was just kind of bored. I, I liked her perform. I liked Selma Hayek's performance. I, I thought it was really over the top and playful, and mm -hmm. just kind of like a cartoon of of a drug cartel uh, person in in charge of a big drug cartel. I mean, there's a moment where she takes her wig off, and which is hilarious. I mean, I think it's intentional, and we're supposed to laugh at that. And I, I feel it, it is just as big and over the top as Belisio del Toro's and um and John Travolta's performances. Uh, it's a, I think it's supposed to be ridiculous, but I, you know, there there are certain movies that where the ridiculousness works uh, and this is a, a case where where it doesn't work i mean i guess i would say i would recommend it if if you want to get out of the heat and want to stay in the theater for and this movie is over two hours long so you'll be in a theater for over two hours watching this movie uh in nice I air conditioned theater go see magic mike instead uh i would say go see magic mike i, I guess if this is on netflix watch instant <laughs> That's fine, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is one of those movies that you put on in the background while you're doing other stuff. I just, I, I can't recommend seeing this as a new release, as, you know, like as as uh, something that you're going to see on a Friday night. I paid a matinee price and I, I felt like I was cheated out of my money. So I, I think I disliked it more than you did. Uh, and I guess this is, well, some would say strike three for Taylor Kitsch. I would just say strike two. I mean, 
Although I did like John Carter. I don't think I like Taylor Kitsch in John Carter, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Um, I, I did not like, um, I did not like him in Battleship either. Um, and I, I really don't like him in this one either. You know, and it, I didn't like him as Gambit a couple years ago in the X-Men, uh, Wolverine movie. Have you seen Friday Night Lights? Uh, I have not. And that's what everyone keeps telling me. He's, he's great in Friday Night Lights. But uh, one performance doesn't necessarily say this guy's a good actor. I mean, he, he's been now in four things that I've seen. Um, and I, I feel if you had a better actor in those roles, if there was a better actor in John Carter, if you had Aaron Johnson in John Carter, that hmm. would have been a better movie. Interesting. Um, or if you got Aaron Johnson in Battleship, that would have been a better movie. Yeah. Um, Can you tell me one thing, Rudy? Sure. Why is Uma Thurman credited in this movie? Was she in there at all? I don't know. Is she credited in this movie? I'm looking on, uh, well, this is Rotten Tomatoes, and it's showing the cast, and she's there. So I don't know if it's Rotten Tomatoes or what. I think that's Rotten Tomatoes. I am currently on IMDb right now, and I'm using my Command F find feature Oh. on my browser and uh, her name is not popping up here oh, okay well it must be rotten tomatoes maybe they thought this was somewhat of a sequel to uh get shorty or yeah. or pulp fiction that they were they were both in hmm. um all right moving along then the other movie the, the one of the bigger movies coming out this summer not 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 as, as opposed to this week but it's the the amazing spider-man the, yeah. the reboot to um the sam raimi um series that came out 10 years ago. Like the first Spider-Man movie was in 2010. Yep. Um, this is 10 years later. This is directed by... Um, Wait, 2010? You mean 2002? 2002, sorry. Yeah. 2002. The, the yeah. first one came out in 2002. Mm -hmm. This is 10 years later in 2010. This movie is directed by Mark Webb, his second film coming off of 500 Days of Summer. Yes. Um, this is a, a synopsis from imdb.com. Peter Parker finds a clue that might help him understand why his parents disappeared when he was young. His path puts him on a collision course with Dr. Kirk Connors, his father's former partner. So, uh, Justin Vector, you are a really big Spider-Man fan. You're a big Marvel fan in general. Um, what are your thoughts on The Amazing Spider-Man? Um, do you feel that this is a worthy enough reboot? Was this a necessary film? Can we just throw away the, the those first three Spider-Man movies and say this is the good one? I really want to say yes, but as I found myself leaving the theater, I have to say no. Um, I had huge expectations for the movie, or I don't know so much expectations, but kind of I wanted it to be great. I really, really wanted it to be an amazing, no pun intended, film. And what I got out of it was a lot of great performances. I liked a lot of the actors, but there was just too much, too similar, not enough different from those Sam Raimi films, those three films that uh, we've already seen before. So not enough novel changes to it. And there are changes. Uh, not, it's not an exact replica of the original movie, um, but because that Sam Raimi film series exists, I think The Amazing Spider-Man loses something for me because there's that novelty is is not there yeah it feels like um the filmmakers behind this movie are kind of counting that you saw the those three movies mm. uh before you saw this one because it seems like there's a lot of character plot character holes plot holes yeah. like just it seems like there's these little swaths of pieces that you're supposed to fill in yourself because either you, you've read 
Spider-Man before, or you've seen those, um, at least one of those other Spider-Man movies, not necessarily all three. You just have to watch one of them to get a little bit of more insight of what the, the filmmakers were going for with this. I was, uh, I don't know if I was disappointed because I kind of knew this was going to be a bad movie going into it. Oh man, um, even with our love, you and I, our shared love of 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of uh, Mark Webb's music video work. I think mm -hmm. uh, I remember in the early mid 2000s when he was doing music videos for My Chemical Romance and uh, yes. Yellow Card and, and uh, just doing music videos that I always thought this guy has a good visual style. Like he mm -hmm. knows how to put a story together uh, visually um, just by cutting it together. And I, I, want, I would love to see what he would do with a movie. And that first movie being 500 Days of Summer, that one didn't disappoint me. This It felt like a a perfect film to come out from a guy that did music videos primarily. This one is a, is a bit of a disappointment. I mean, I I would want to see Mike um, Mark Webb to do uh, like a smaller movie before getting a big budget one like this, but mm -hmm. um, they probably got him because he was uh, a bit cheaper to get. Yeah. Um, but it, and do you think more moldable because he's so early in his film career? Yeah, since he really doesn't. I mean, Five Hundred Days of Summer it was a, a smaller film. You know, no one's really bossing him around that much, but I feel people, producers or executives are probably bossing him around on this one. Um, my expectations of this were pretty low, and I, I'd even, uh, I, I was surprised that that my expectations weren't uh, exceeded after I saw this movie, because mm -hmm. it was probably exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, I really wasn't excited about this until like maybe February when I, I was invited to, um, uh, Sony invited uh, a bunch of press people to this, uh, this uh spider-man amazing spider-man event where they showed a sizzle reel and they had like uh, a thing with the, the the directors and the actors and the footage they showed us looked pretty cool you know i was like whoa this this seemed like it was going to be like the dark knight the way they were going with this movie yeah. well that's one of my problems with it but yeah continue uh but it it there were moments in it where it feels like, well, that wasn't really established. You're just playing off what we thought of the first other movies, like namely when it comes to the, the people of New York City helping out Spider-Man in the middle and the end of this film. Like there was never established in this movie that the people of New York knew, A, knew who Spider-Man was and B, were on board with what he was doing. Mm. Um and it seemed like all that stuff came from the, the Sam Raimi movies, you know, where they showed clearly that the people of New York knew what was going on or had an idea of who this person was. Yeah, they kind of had the interviews that went through where they were asking every member of New York like what they thought about Spider-Man. I think with this one, from what I recall, the way that they tried to establish that was through kind of viral marketing. Like they had people taking pictures of him with their phone and hearing about Spider-Man as almost like an urban legend. Um, so I, I think that was that was their attempt at establishing it, but um, it wasn't, you know, clearly stated to me. Yeah, and this almost seems like a, a, a replica. I mean, there there's a big bridge set piece in this movie. Oh, yeah. There was a bridge set piece in the other movie. Mm -hmm. I mean... And the villain in this, the lizard, I felt like he was an amalgamation or a combination of the villains from the first two movie because he had Norman Osborn's kind of crazy you know he talking to himself and like that just felt exactly like norman osborne in the first movie he had that kind of issue going on with him and then like with the dr octopus he was kind of the troubled scientist who you know a spoiler alert he's he was good the whole time and you know he rescues spider-man at the end which we saw that with the exact same thing with dr octopus so that 
it just felt like a retread to me. And I'm just wondering who are they marketing this movie towards? It's 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 getting good reviews. I, I don't know. It, it set uh, didn't it set like a box office record for a Tuesday or something? Yeah, I mean. I I make no mistake. People are going to see this movie. I mean, people who don't know much about what what the production was, they just see a Spider Man movie and they'll go. So, I mean, Spider Man's a big thing. I mean, let's. let's I'm sure a lot of people think it's a you know it's uh, the fourth Spider Man movie. Yeah, set, yeah. After the other ones, and uh, there's no no mistaking it that they call this the Amazing Spider Man, which probably sounds like a fourth film in the series. I mean, mm-hmm. when you look at the marketing, it just looks like. You know, Spider-Man movie, and rightfully so. But I was upset with so much of this movie just being a retread. Uh, the first hour of this movie were, were yeah. spent as an origin story. Um, this movie really doesn't get going until an hour into it. Yeah, and a movie like this shouldn't be boring, and and it is. You know, and they really should have done what the Incredible Hulk did, and just done the origin story in the opening credits because. There's two heroes, and maybe even three, uh, probably three heroes that we don't need to see their origin story anymore. Spider-Man, Superman, and Batman. We, they're so ingrained in the pop culture. I think it's, it's just not necessary to reboot them every 10 years. Oh. Even, you know, even if, if, if you're having something like Batman and Robin, it's, it's not necessary to, for us to see the, the origin story again that we just saw, especially with Spider-Man, how close it was. But yeah, I think with this one... They could have cut an hour of the origin and just put that in the opening credits. Actually, that animated series that was out a couple years ago, The Spectacular Spider-Man, which I loved, they just opened up the first season is him after he's gotten his powers and he's become Spider-Man. So there's no origin in that animated series. There's no like flashbacks for the most part. It just gets right into the action and that's probably what they should have done here. Yeah, they could have easily... The start of this movie could have been Spider-Man swinging into action at the beginning of the movie and then just going through all the, you know, how he became Spider-Man in flashbacks, you know, like, like they did in, in Batman Begins. You know, uh, they just did that all in flashbacks, and they could have done the same thing here. Um, and I, I just don't know what is accomplished by spending this much time with them. When when we spend so much time with them in that first hour, it doesn't really inform us w- what happens to him in the next hour and a half of the movie. Um, it, it felt like really lazy storytelling te- towards the end of the film where um, Spider-Man just stumbles into the underground lab of, of Dr. <laughs> Connors and just happens that his computers are on and just so happens his master plan is all on display and just so happens like this is exactly what he's going to do at this time mm-hmm. that just felt like what what the hell is going on here like you spent so much time showing us this character but then you're just going to give us these plot points in in a ma- in like a matter of fact just so happen type of way yeah um that, that that just seemed really lazy to me. I mean, the positives of, of this movie, I'll say, I, I like Dennis Leary's character yep. in this. Yep. He, he was really good in it. Um, but again, it it just kind of peaks this. It, this is a better storyline that was here, but we don't want to explore it this much. Yeah. So when and I, speaking well, of that, so I'm I'm sure you're like me, and you were following the the news of the movie before it came out, and that they were teasing heavily the Spider-Man story you've never heard before. And you're going to, you know, the origin of his parents and, and they were, his parents were supposed to play a big role in the movie. And then they have what, five minutes of screen time. And they mention them at the, at the beginning. And then at the end, at the, you know, there's a credit sequence at the end after the credits, but his parents 
largely did not play a role in the story. So yeah. what was the whole purpose of well, that? Like just to have a little bit of variation I from mean, the other one? It, it was a little, I, I felt like that was a waste. It was a little variation and it was also, I mean, it, it was the reason why he wanted to see Dr. Connors was to get more information on his father. Yeah. But he kind of forgot and, about that when he confronted him. But um, <laughs> And that was the, the, just the tale of the movie is there's, a little variation, but not enough to to me to justify this reboot because I actually like, you know, they kind of tried to set Peter Parker in a modern day setting and yeah, he's a nerd, but Andrew Garfield, he wears contacts instead of goofy glasses. He's a skater. You know, he kind of, uh, he, he's not as much of an outcast as the, the Tobey Maguire Peter Parker, which was just, they were going for full on nerd there. Um, so yeah, for me, I liked a lot of the the performances. Andrew Garfield, Dennis Leary, um, even when he wasn't the lizard, Reese Ifans, I, I I enjoyed his performance. Um, and then I don't know exactly why Martin Sheen and Sally Field needed to be in the movie because there there wasn't an, enough for them to do. I guess yeah. you know Sally Field is going to be play. Uh, she's going to be in the next two movies. Like they're trying to go for a trilogy here, but. Did we need Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben? I I don't know. And, and uh, like going back to Dennis Leary's character of Captain Stacy, uh, I guess spoiler alert for for uh, the movie when when he dies at the end of this movie, you never really feel the weight of that because we don't spend that much time with yeah. him. We don't really understand his conflict. We we understand a little bit of it, and it feels like since that character is introduced so late into the movie that it feels like, well, you know, we just met this guy. Now he's dead, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. We could have had a, a whole movie building a relationship, which makes it impactful for when he does die. Um, and, and all of that just seems like, well, obviously he's going to stay, he's going to make a promise to him not to stay away from his daughter, and that's why he stays away from his daughter. Um, it, it just feels like, well, we're going to give you a Spider-Man movie and, and this time it's going to be Gwen Stacy and this time yeah. he's going to have mechanical web shooters. Uh, you know, that will make it all right. Right. Yeah. Um, the, when in fact, it, I, I, I think this is, this movie is, I actually like Spider-Man three a little bit more. I mean, I, I, wow. I, I don't hate Spider-Man three like most people. Um, I find it to be somewhat enjoyable, but I think I would rather revisit Spider-Man 3 than revisit this movie. Oh, or God. if I revisit this uh, movie, I would skip the first hour of it. Yeah, and I'm not going to go that far as saying that I would rather watch Spider-Man 3 over this. But the thing that would bring me back to this is like the Dennis Leary uh, performance and the the fact that they finally, I think, got Peter Parker inside of the Spider-Man costume correctly. And what I mean by that is instead of just being the, the super heroic guy, he's the nervous, awkward guy who has to make jokes to kind of re release the tension of being nervous. And there's a, and I think, I, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, I didn't watch any of the trailers, but that sequence where he's confronting the mugger with the knife and he gets down on his knees and he's like, oh, please, you found my one weakness. Is that in the trailer? Uh, no, that, I think that was probably like later on, like in some sort of marketing. That, the oh, first okay. time I saw that was in, during that Sony event. Um, oh, in the and I when I saw that, I was like, well, they nailed Spider-Man right there yeah. because that one moment of um, Andrew Garfield doing that kind of beats everything that Tobey Maguire did because that's Spider-Man right yeah, there. That's exactly. what he does. He's, he's a smart ass. The only the the only sequence i can say even closely resembles that in the peter parker uh, i'm sorry in the toby maguire spider-man is in spider-man 2 
there's a scene where Dr. Octopus is take, robbing a bank, right? And he throws a bag of money at Spider-Man. Spider-Man catches it with his web, oh. <laughs> throws it back at him, and he says, here's, here's your change. change. That's the yeah. closest they came to any type of humor of Spider-Man but, in but those even movies. In, but even in this one, that's it's just that one scene. Though. Well, that's the thing. I wish they had expanded upon that because that one scene alone, like I hadn't seen it in any marketing material or any trailers, so I didn't know to yeah. expect it. I was... I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard. And I yeah. was just saying, yes, that is my Spider-Man. That is the Peter Parker that I know. So I wish they had done more of that. Instead, they chose to, like you said earlier, Dark Knight Spider-Man or Christopher Nolan eyes Spider-Man. And I don't think that that works for that the character of Spider-Man. They no. tried to be too dark and gritty yeah. for me. I, I just felt like that, that aspect of it didn't work. And they tried to be realistic in a lot of the stuff. And then in other, in some areas, they try to be realistic. And then other areas, oh yeah, yeah, don't think about how he created that costume or anything like you know stuff that you're that that uh, would would actually make sense to you. Don't think about that. Just think about this over here, like like these web shooters. We'll talk about this. We won't talk about any of this other stuff. Yeah, well, it seems like, uh, and again, they they. Bat- Spider-Man is not Batman. You know, you yeah. can't just automatically like, well, let's just make it darker. Yeah, um, Spider-Man. Uh, that's one of the things why I, I, I still feel that the, um, the Sam Raimi stuff, even Spider-Man 3 gets it right, mm-hmm. where the tone of the film isn't all over the place. The tone here is kind of all over the place where it the, the humor doesn't hit because the, the, the movie doesn't establish the fact that it is going to be this humorous. And then the darkness um, doesn't fit because this character, Spider-Man, inherently isn't, isn't uh, or at least An- Andrew Garfield isn't seething with um and brooding over the fact that he was responsible for his um uncle's death i think yeah um P- um toby mcguire i really felt the weight that you know he felt responsible for that you know mm-hmm. and he's gonna avenge him or at least make sure this stuff is never gonna happen again i really don't get that impression with andrew garfield's um peter parker that he felt that he was responsible for his his uncle's death i mean in, the, in that first yeah, film he almost kills he almost kills the guy <laughs> like right there <laughs> Like I'm gonna kill this guy. Yeah. And this one, he doesn't. He kind of gets close, but I never really think he's gonna do it. You know. Yeah. They. I don't know that whole Uncle Ben sequence. Like, you know, it's it's as a comic book fan, that's something that I. It's one of those major milestones in comic history, and it's like I, I don't feel like they got the tone of that correct. And like you said, it didn't feel like there was any emotion to it, which that's just how a lot of the movie feels. Like it doesn't feel like. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at a review here by uh, Roger Moore. Uh, and he he's saying, where's the charm? Where's the heart? Where's the humor? And I felt that way, except with the exception of that one scene, like we were talking about. Yeah. Where was the humor oh, for oh. the most part? It wasn't. I felt like they wanted us to laugh at a lot more sequences, but they just the laughs weren't there, and it's just that that overall dark tone was. It felt like the whole movie was brooding, and it didn't need to be. Yeah, I mean, where's I mean, I I. I I wrote this like this movie is lifeless. I mean, it, yeah. it should have some sense of of life of of being. I mean, even the 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 Christopher Nolan Batman movies, those weren't supposed to be humorous um, that yeah. much, anyways. But we we really get the sense that those it's like the weight of the world on this person's shoulders uh, right here. Like his his whole life, his way of life is is in is in balance. If he doesn't do this thing, I really don't get that impression here. The positives I will say about this movie, I do like Andrew. Garfield. 
Um, yeah. I like Andrew Garfield in this movie. I think he does a fine job. Um, I just feel bad for him that he's in a bad movie. Um, I like Emma Stone in this movie. I think she's fantastic. But I, again, I feel bad for them because they're in a bad movie that they should be in a better movie with this kind of these kind of performances. And why was he attracted to her? Like, you know, besides him finding her attractive, like there wasn't anything set up there. I, I didn't feel like there was any you know, establishing of why he likes her. It's just, okay, yeah, she's hot, so he yeah, likes that girl. Well, like, it's, was- it's, it seems like, well, there, there's another missed opportunity here with the romance because the fact that it's Gwen Stacy, that's an important thing uh, yeah. for, for comic book fans as opposed to Mary Jane. Uh, Mary Jane is in love with Spider-Man. Gwen Stacy's in love with Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, they, but we never really get that feeling. I mean, I got that feeling with um, the, the, the Mary Jane Watson stuff in, mm. in the Sam Raimi stuff that she loves Spider-Man. Yeah. But I never really was on board with uh, the the romance element of this. I think it could have been played up a, a little bit more. Um, I, I actually wish that if that was the centerpiece of this movie, that would have been fine by me just to see yeah. these two um, these two actors uh, and their chemistry together. That would have been enough for me to see. But And that's it, disappointing coming from the guy who did 500 Days of Summer. And you wonder, you know, obviously you and I don't work in the movie industry. We don't know any, what's going on behind the scenes. But I just wonder how much did Sony tamper with the whole, the parent storyline, the the romance aspect? Like how much did they let Mark Webb play around in this, you know, $200 million uh, well, endeavor? The thing is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let a director like Mark Webb have his, you know, be in control mm-hmm. of a production like this. I mean, I, I think they just should have got a better director. Um, from what I remember uh, writing um, a couple months ago, Sony executives thought this movie was a bad movie when they when they screened it. Yeah, um, that, I remember. I remember reading that. That I, I don't. I mean, it just seems needless. I mean, I don't know if this needs to exist. I don't know if this yeah. can replace the other ones with, with the Batman reboot. I'm not going to say that the the Christopher Nolan one replaces what Tim Burton did. But it, it seemed like a worthwhile exercise, you know. It yeah, there was like, a point to it. There yeah. was a justification for it existing. With this one, like you said, I could, ha- I could still, I could go back and rewatch the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi movies. I, I, I don't have to watch the Amazing Spider-Man. I don't feel like it was justified enough to exist. It, fe- you know, what it feels like? It feels like exactly what it is. Sony trying to keep Spider-Man under contract and not let it fall back to Marvel. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in this day and age of post Avengers, you know, like we kind of have to do a better job with our superhero yeah, movies. Uh, exactly. Get Joss Whedon to direct Spider-Man. That's that he'll bring the humor. <laughs> yeah. That, that That's the remedy for anything. Yeah. Bring, bring Joss Whedon. Then. Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, I think it would be cool if, you know, Spider-Man did because he is part of the Avengers if he was there as well, you know? Yeah. And just have something, you know something tying in there, but maybe one was with what was with the post credit sequence. As a matter of fact, I, I brought that up a little bit earlier regarding his parents, but I left the theater saying, "What just happened? Who was that? That didn't make any sense whatsoever." And for me, who's someone who I, I fancy myself, uh, someone who enjoys comic books and who keeps up with comic books, I had no idea who that character was. I, I don't. I, I think we're supposed to ascertain that that's that's his father. Or or Norman or or, or uh, Norman 
Osborne. Well, I know, I know, at least I know it's not Norman Osborne because um, I read an interview, Reciphons came out and he said that it was not Norman Osborne. Well, I, I think it's supposed but he to be well, Richard Parker. That's his name. I think that's supposed to be his father then. Mm. But well, it, it just seems needless though. Yeah. And I, I know you don't watch, here's, I know you don't watch trailers, but that's, that scene's actually in the trailer. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that, but that scene is actually, you know, a, a second of it is in the trailer. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. that There's no point to it. I guess like, Obviously, we'll see with the sequel, but it just, like you said, it just feels pointless. Yeah, Whereas it, 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 something like the Avengers post-credit sequence, well, not, that, the, not the shawarma one, but the, or the mid-credit sequence, yeah. <laughs> that one feels justified as yeah. they're setting up the next one. Well, Whereas this one... The, the, the shawarma one is, is supposed to play on the, like, these things are just pointless to begin with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I think that was Joss Whedon's point uh, yeah. with the last scene. But it, to me, it felt like um, the, the end title sequence for uh spoiler alert uh green lantern you know (laughs) sinestra puts the ring on the end like what's the point it's over (laughs) and we'll probably never get to actually see that happen in the movie like then i don't even know if green lantern 2 is going to happen or not um probably probably not probably not uh let's wrap up this episode of movie night um i i guess uh Two bad movies that we don't recommend people see, but I, I think people are going to see Spider-Man anyway. Um, yeah, they're definitely. I think there's a, a bigger buzz over Spider-Man than Savages. And interestingly enough, out of all three movies, Katy Perry, part of me has the has the largest Rotten Tomato score right now. <laughs> well, I, I haven't so, seen it, but I from the 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 film bloggers I know that that have seen it, they loved it. They thought it was a great movie. I'm actually going to see it after this. Because it felt, just from the trailer, it felt very much like that Justin Bieber documentary that came out yeah. last year, which also which was, got very good critical response. Well, and I enjoyed it as a documentary. You know, say what you will about the subject matter, but I felt it was a good documentary. That, that so was, I, it was a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so uh, I, I feel like the Katy Perry one, at least from the trailer, it felt very similar to that. So I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm, I'm in for that. I'll, I'll pay to go see that. So I'm actually going to see it tonight. And, and uh, some of the film bloggers that have saw the Katy Perry movie are they're comparing it to that Justin Bieber movie, which is like, oh, that's good because that was actually a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I gained a little bit more insight on Justin Bieber that I kind of I don't like his music, but I'm like, hey, this guy's kind of talented. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, where can we let's wrap up this episode. Where can we find Ooh. you online, Justin Vector? Well, you can always find me on uh, Twitter which is just my last name, twitter.com slash Vactor, V-A-C-T-O-R. I'm also on the comic book podcast, Comics of Doom, over at geeksofdoom.com, and I write a daily geeky pick column over at screenrant.com, where I just kind of pick and post my uh, geekiness for all the interwebs to see. So you can always find that Monday through Friday over at screenrant.com. Yes, and I've actually been checking those out uh, somewhat for, for my own like blogging material, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I like to see uh, like what kind of things that you, you find all over the web to put in one piece. Um, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Rudy underscore Obias. That's R-U-D-I-E underscore O-B-I-A-S. Shakya.com, autorcast.com, giantfreakingrobot.com, and everything that is Rudy at RudyObias.com. Uh, on the next episode of Movie Night, Uh, Most likely, we're going to be discussing The Dark Knight Rises, Uh, so hopefully this will be a good one. Um, Not sure what comes out next week. I have Easy Money. I don't know what that movie is, Uh, so I don't know if I'm going to be seeing that. Hmm. But um, Dark Knight Rises seems to be the the next one on the list uh, that's of note, so 
closing out this episode of Movie Night. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Goodbye.